with the fourth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. I don't know, I'm going to bring energy. You know, I'm going to bring hard work. God willing, I'm going to bring a Super Bowl. You know, I was extremely emotional. They called me before the draft and kind of let me know if things were the favor in their way, they were going to pick me up. Once I once I seen that the fourth pick was up, you know, I kind of had that feeling that they were going to you know, give me the call. They gave me the call and I celebrated with my family and just tears just started rolling down. We spent an entire day with him down at Florida. We actually worked him out. I know there were some comments made that other teams went and worked out and got to see more, but I think when we went and worked him out, we got to see a lot because we got to put him through drills with just us. And then we brought him into the building and spent another full day with him. You know, I give our scouts credit now. You know, Morocco Brown went in and like back in August, I'm getting these text messages from Morocco. He's at Florida practice going, you should see the show that I'm watching on this practice field right now. So we had some awareness of, you know, who he was and where he was, you know, what his talent level was a while ago it definitely helps i mean when a guy can run and add that element to your offense i mean it's a, it's a big plus it puts stress on defenses and obviously he has that capability but i i, I just want to sleep on his throwing ability either i mean he that ball comes out pretty now he can spin it he's got a huge arm and he's made some huge plays in the past game so we're excited to work with him and with that the colts have injected some life into the most important position in sports good friday morning to you i'm kevin bowen eddie garrison is with us uh eddie anthony richardson number four overall to the indianapolis colts and i thought this in just driving to the complex last night you know if you really think back it's been three and a half years since andrew luck Retired. Um, if you want to go back probably to the final two or three years of Luck's career, you know, the shoulder issues were obviously a big storyline. Um, it's been quite some time since the Colts have had a quarterback that wasn't depreciating. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, oh, how long are we going to have them? How long is this going to be? Not an ascending sort of, of talent. And... It's pretty much what I've said now for the past certainly four months and really ever since Luck retired. Get the bat off the shoulders. Get the bat off the shoulders. And last night, Chris Ballard not only swung, but he swung for the slide out in the Milwaukee Brewers Stadium out there. He tried (laughs) to hit that slide out there. Uh, It's a mighty swing, and... People can make the argument that is the swing that's necessary when you look at the lay of the land in the AFC in the quarterback landscape. Uh, but it is a huge, huge swing. And for that, major kudos to Chris Ballard. Uh, been calling for it, been wanting something along these lines, and he's taken a swing. And now, I guess to continue the baseball analogy, Anthony Richardson's on base, and it's time for the Colts to do their part and support and develop him and get him to second and get him to third and eventually get him home. Or you can say he's at single A, and thank you for sure. saying that I'm here because I am indeed here. Don't know if I'm awake yet, <laughs> but I'm here. You and me both. Uh, you and me both. Uh, but Anthony Richardson, four overall. Great intro there from you. Uh, I guess just briefly, your uh, your thoughts on Richardson. I love that he took the swing finally. I think it's Ballard acknowledging, like you said, you're in the AFC. You can't take somebody who may be ready right away in Will Levis, but there's somewhat of a limited upside, and there's so many question marks on what he is and what he can be. 
And when you factor in some of the reporting that was going on about his character saying he didn't interview well, and then you hear the stories of Anthony Richardson, you hear how he talks and interviews um, at the Combine and then after the Combine and leading up to the draft. And I was just glad they went that route because I think the upside is, uh, who, who knows what the upside truly is. I mean, he can come in right away. Uh, and be your your uh, red zone quarterback if you really, really wanted to do that. I don't know if they're going to do that. But like I said last week on the pod, KB, they're going to have to do a really, really good job at managing expectations because they're going to be a portion of – there is a portion of the fan base that wants him already because they see the tantalizing traits. They see the speed. They see the power in the run game. They see the big arm. They have to be patient and let him get right in the processing department at the NFL level. We'll certainly talk about when and if, I guess if or when, they should you know, insert him into the lineup. That'll be a huge storyline all offseason long. It's almost like a practice for all Colts fans this offseason should be to go back and watch Peyton Manning's 1998 rookie season. <laughs> you know, I think we're so ingrained to what Luck did as a rookie, mm-hmm. we, we, we almost forget there's the other end of the spectrum. And obviously, there are questions with this pick. I mean, there are major questions with this pick. So we'll explain all of that. Um, let's start here. Um, I think listeners of the podcast will have certainly on Monday's pod when we did the mock draft, and I went with Richardson. You know, my, Kevin knew my tone changed <laughs> a little bit, and you know, I think the more that I thought about it, you know, the Shane Steichen presence mentioned that all along. Um, Cannot cannot be, I think you know really um, overstated. I mean it it, it it's real. Um, I also found this really interesting, Eddie. When Jim Mercer has spoken this off season, he's pretty organically brought up the Jalen Hurts play against mm-hmm. the Colts back in November, and it is wild to think back on that play and how, in my opinion, if the Colts somehow win that game, I think Jeff Saturday's still here, and just all the dominoes from that game. Please don't put that picture in my <laughs> mind. Sorry about that. Uh, but all the dominoes. We're uh, celebrating here, KB. Come on now. Saturday, Steichen calling that play. Jalen Hurts, of course, being a dual threat guy. You know, Nick Sirianni's emotion after that game. All of it. Um, I think it, that play was Jim Mercer saying, man, see what 12 versus 11 can do? Mm-hmm. See what that run element can do? And more so than Levis, Richardson immediately walks into the NFL and has a dominant trait. Immediately. You know, Levis was more of a level playing field across a little bit more traits than Richardson. Um, so from a run game standpoint, you right, whenever you want to play him, you strike fear in a defense. And the Colts have not struck fear as an offense into any defense in quite some time. So that is certainly where you have a high floor. Um, the other two traits that I think you point out with Richardson when you talk about him in a positive light is the arm in that his downfield ability is pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And it's necessary, again, for an offense that too often, Eddie, was relying on death by a thousand paper cuts to score. 10 for 80-yard drives just don't grow on trees, and it's hard to sustain. Defenses are too good. Penalties happen. Drops happen. You've got to create some big plays. And the Colts didn't do that. They haven't been able to do that. Um, and that's where I think the big arm comes into play with Richardson. And the last thing that I'll point out, and it's really a, a special quality, um, it's a quality I've loved with Bryce Young, and by no means am I saying is Richardson there, 
But the thing that's always impressed me about, about Bryce Young, it impresses me about Patrick Mahomes, it impressed me about Andrew Luck, when the pocket gets muddy, when it gets chaotic, do your eyes stay up? Do your eyes stay downfield? It's not perfect with Richardson right now. I, I, I want to stress that. But I think when you watch him and you look a little bit deeper into the pressures he had against him in college leading to sacks, it's not a very high number. He was pretty darn poised when chaos occurred around him. Now, again, he still needs to clean up some fundamentals and become a better passer in those situations. But probably the biggest knock on Levis was when stuff did get chaotic around him, it got negative from a play standpoint. And I think back to the Manning cast, Peyton Manning said this quite often. You know, quarterbacks, a huge part of it is you're supposed to identify when a bad play is about to happen, and make sure it doesn't become a worse play. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's post-snap. Sometimes it is when, oh boy, that left guard didn't bring up you know, the the free blitzer, and now I've got to make sure that um, either I turn this into a positive or certainly don't, don't turn it into more of a negative. And I feel like Richardson, when you watch him, which is rare for a 13-game starter, he's got some poise in those sorts of moments. So that's where I would probably start with the positives. Obviously, the age. Um, I think he's got... Uh, this is, I guess, going away from him physically on the field, Eddie. I think he's got a bit of some Benedict Matherin vibe to him. Yeah. And for those not familiar with our market or the NBA or Benedict Matherin... Or what the cool kids say, he's got that dog in him. Yeah, dog. And like, and I guess the Jimmy Butler dog thing is like, you know everywhere right right now Hemi Butler yeah I I think it's really hard Eddie for any human to be really confident borderline cocky but yet also look in the mirror and say I need work mm-hmm. and Matherin by all accounts has that I mean there's these stories that Tyrese Halliburton has shared of like team playing Matherin scored you know 15 in a game and he asked for it Carlisle if he'll come into the back of the plane and watch film with him and like it's like, dude, just you're a rookie. Celebrate, you know, mm-hmm. your night and move on. Watch Richardson in any setting; he's confident as hell. But he'll quickly mention like, "I've got work to do, and I need to work, and I think I'm going to be the greatest." But I've got to work to get there. Like he's very quick. He did it with um, whoever was on NFL Network last night. He did it very quickly with with her of, um, you know, mentioning. No, no, no. No more Cam Jackson. It's Anthony Richardson, the the, the Cam Newton, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson um, sort of comparison. I'm Anthony Richardson, and I've got traits that not many quarterbacks have, and I'm one of one. He's got that tattoo. But I've got to work. And so I think that is something that is a non-starter for the Colts when they talk about how QBs are wired. And again, I think all of these QBs had that to some degree. You know, I, I don't. You know, I think C.J. Stroud's really confident. Bryce Young certainly. Uh, again, people still uh, around the Kentucky program talk very highly of Levis, um, but I do think that is a quality he has, and it's a must if he's going to reach the ceiling. Absolute must on that. Um, anything else? I guess in the positive department, Eddie. Yeah, one thing. Point to. Yeah, one thing I wanted to point out, and it's something that Shane Steichen pointed out. Yes, uh, last night is that his ability to sense pressure and just move when he knows it's coming, like he can feel it. I hadn't really watched a lot 
of his tape and film breakdown. And then last night I couldn't sleep for a little bit. So then I ended up watching about, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of a couple different people breaking him down. And you can, you can see it on tape. Yeah. You can see him. Sense is a great word. Yeah. He has the sense of the pressure from the blind side. And I think that was the one thing that you and I both came to a, an agreement on with Levis is that he couldn't really feel that. And that possibly led to the down year last year in terms of the injuries. But when you need a quarterback to step up in the pocket, he started to do that more as the season went on. And I think he's a quick learner um, in terms of when he sees something, he's able to remember it and then not let his mistake happen again. So I was watching some of the Tennessee game from this past year, and they ran – they ran some chaotic uh, zone coverage where the linebacker dips down, uh, d- drops back in zone coverage, and then the two safeties come forward. The first time it tricked him, uh, and he just immediately uh, tried to escape outside the pocket uh, and then ended up throwing the ball away or something. I can't remember. And then later in the game, that was in like the first quarter, third quarter, they came back and did it again. This time he steps up into the pocket and delivers a, a ball into a tight window. So I think there's a lot of growth that has already kind of happened with him, and I think that's only going to get better because when you watch those kind of things on tape, I think that's indicative on how smart and intellectually sound this quarterback could be. Yeah, I mean, for those that care, I mean, his S2 score was above average or wherever the threshold is. Um, You know, I don't think it was at peak Bryce Young level or Joe Burrow or something like that, but it was still at a pretty... um, acceptable mark one other thing i will mention before we get into questions or negatives or however you want to you want to describe it improvements um yes thank you anthony richardson's agent uh for that um obviously shane steichen's background i've said it all along that's why my belief is so high in a selection at quarterback but you know what eddie it's not just shane steichen when i thought a little deeper about it you know cam turner their quarterbacks coach comes from Cam Newton in Carolina and Kyler Murray in Arizona. So he's been used to these sorts of quarterbacks. Uh, If you look at their coaching staff as well, they brought over two assistants from the Giants. You want to talk about Brian Dable and what he did with Josh Allen? Mm -hmm. And you want to talk about that Giants just staff being creative offensively last year with kind of a dual threat quarterback? Okay? Those guys, you know, have some history with that, recent history with that. So. Again, I think you're getting Anthony Richardson walking into the exact open-minded system that he would want to walk into and that they're going to watch Florida film like no other. They're going to have some NFL concepts from their past stops that they also can throw to Shane Steichen, and they will make sure that they cater to him and not force anything down his throat. So I think that is obviously really, really important as well. The questions... uh, begin with his accuracy and it gets back into the debate we've had Eddie of okay which flaw is easier to develop Richardson's accuracy or Levis's processing you yeah, that that was kind of the the debate that you have you know with Richardson um I asked Ballard this question last night okay 53.8 whatever the number is percent completion percentage is there context around that you know just Mm -hmm. further explain Ballard didn't want to go with drops he didn't want to go with the types of throws Richardson was asked to make at Florida he did go with kind of the the fundamental and he you know is changing his tune a little bit from what he said a few years ago and that accuracy can be developed or completion percentage, I should say, can improve. Yeah, because he said that it's something that they've seen across the league is that 
quarterbacks have been able to improve yeah, that and, part of their game. And again, Josh Allen is probably the one that stands out the most. The Jalen Hurts comparison is going to happen so often, inevitably, with Richardson based off Shane Steichen's background. I don't think that's apples to apples. Look at Jalen Hurts in college. That was a pretty accurate QB, mm-hmm. and that was a dude that played a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So he came into the NFL with a pretty high floor from that standpoint. Richardson's not walking into the Sundays with that aspect to it. So I want to push that comparison to the side. Um, you know, I whatever, we're 15 minutes into the podcast. It's time for a golf analogy. Richardson can hit the driver, he can hit the long irons. Can he hit the short game? Or make the layups. Make the layups is a great point. Thank you, Chris Ballard, from from a couple years ago. What's his short game look like? You know, when he misses a green, can he provide, you know, a boo, here's a chip shot to five feet. Something like that. You know, those sorts of things he struggled with. In the zero to ten yard routes, um, basically I feel like when he's asked to do the simple-ish seven-on-seven routes versus air, like positional stuff you drill every day in practice, that's when he's not his most comfortable. He's almost more comfortable when it's like, let me wing it. You know, let me throw the fastball. Let me not try and, you know, just pinpoint one at 88 on the outside corner. So those are things he's got to work on. You know, touch for big dudes typically is kind of a difficult art to master. And I think that is a a question that you would have with him. Um, I would say if you want to look glass half full at, at his accuracy question, he's really good at layering the football when it, in terms of getting it over the linebacker into that second yeah. level. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're not again downfield. You're not worried. Nope. Anywhere near to what you are in the inter- intermediate short term. Um, I think where you want to look glass half full. You don't need Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers accuracy. Like, you don't need 70%. And why do you not need that? Because he brings a run element and he brings the big ball. And and, and that can kind of offset the, I don't need to look at a box score at the end of the game and see 73%. But what I do probably need to see is a completion of 34 and a completion of 42. You know, and, you know, give me 65 on the ground. That's what you need to see for him to kind of reach his potential. Uh, obviously, and these two categories fit together, Eddie, so I guess the other question I will transition to now, and that would be a lack of experience. You do not see quarterbacks drafted with his completion percentage number, and you don't see quarterbacks drafted with his limited amount of experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, If you look at the number of first-round picks, sub-20 starts, not a group you want to have on the side of your building. From Trubisky to Mark Sanchez to Mac Jones, to RIP Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I think, falls in that group. And these are, I think, sub-20 starts if you want to go a little bit higher. And even the completion percentage group. Sure, Josh Allen is there. Um, Lamar Jackson is there. I think the other two are Jake Locker and Daniel Jones. Um, So you are banking on him you know, being an outlier of that current group. Obviously, what you think is his age... And you're choosing to look at the glass half full of the lack of experience means the fundamentals are not etched in stone. It's still some you know pretty uh, wet cement, and it's still some pretty moldable clay. 
you know, I've I, I used this analogy before, Eddie, because I still have these salt and pepper shakers from Sibby Hill Ceramics class in high school. Ooh, nice. They're horrific. They're they they came out of the kiln just brittling, falling apart right away. And they're still working? Uh, no, not functional at all. They're simply there just to laugh at. They're the most pathetic things of art you've ever seen. That artwork to me has reminded me of the quarterbacks the Colts have ran out there the past few years. <laughs> now you have the fresh clay. You know when it comes like wrapped in that nice little plastic saran, and, and you get the little get the little string knife and, and, the, and you can cut the and yeah. you put a little water into the clay. Like I used to love that. You, you love pottery that, or something over there? That well, I I. I was fond of it. I don't think I did very well in ceramics class from an execution standpoint. But the idea of it sounded good. And you know what? We're it's right that here, new man. Car smell. The, the yeah, man. not ideal on that end. Uh, the ideal of molding that clay should feel pretty good to the Colts. And Shane Sykin, I would venture to guess, can mold some quarterback clay better than Kevin Bowen could in sophomore year in Cunningham Hall at Cathedral. So uh, that is where I think you are enticed by this i would say the last question i have is this eddie what does he look like in the fourth quarter of a meaningful game what was the biggest game anthony richardson played in in college oh i know hold on was it utah was it lsu he might argue it was kentucky because he said it that kentucky game was will levis against him he knew the Will Levis draft hype. He knew what it meant to play in that game. And if you want to talk about an awful game Anthony Richardson had last year at Florida, it was against Kentucky. So that's my question. Because fourth quarter football is different. And you're going to be in fourth quarter moments a whole lot in the NFL. Again, he's got some mental attributes that make me think he can be a guy that can deliver for you. But you, you don't know that. No one knows that. Mm-mm. And Benedict Matherin, to go back to that analogy, he at least had been in some of those big games, had played in an NCAA tournament. You know, you had seen him in those settings. With Richardson, I don't think he can go there at all. And that's a question. And that's a legit question. Because that's what, that's what separates. That's what separates you from the rest. I mean, his best game last year was obviously the Tennessee game, 24-44 for 453, two touchdowns, and... Well, he didn't run it that much. Only seven for twenty-four. I think he took a couple sacks. That you know brings down the number in college. But uh, yeah, I would say Kentucky, and then the last game of the year, Florida State, um, when it was a one-possession game, and that's the game he goes nine for twenty-seven. And honestly, probably more than anything, Eddie, when you go, what was their record last year? Six and six. Sure. When they go six and six, you just aren't in big games. I mean, like you know, sure, it's an SEC game in an afternoon setting. And there's a ton of people there, but you're not playing for conference titles. You're not playing for you know major bowl games. He didn't play in the bowl game, right? No. Um, so yeah, for all of those reasons, I think you have to have a question. Um, I tweeted out a list of the quarterbacks in the AFC earlier this morning. Our audience... And it was a very passionate football audience, so they don't need me to necessarily go through it. But I will. Start with the AFC East. Josh Allen, Mac Jones, Tua, Aaron Rodgers. AFC North, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kenny Pickett, Lamar Jackson. 
AFC South, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Ryan Tannehill, Anthony Richardson. AFC West, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Jimmy G. Eddie, loaded. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loaded. I put their ages as well. 12 of the 16 under the age of 27. So this is what you're walking into. And this is why the swing is as big as it is by the Colts. Because you can get lost in the shuffle pretty quickly in that conference. I mean, just look at those names. You're going to have quality, talented QBs starting their Caribbean vacation in mid-January. Really quality. Where if they go, if they were in the NFC, hell, you just be average, and you're going to host a playoff game over in that conference. So um, that's what he's walking into. Um, anything else? Richardson fronts good. Bad and different. The backflip at the com or the backflip at the pro day. Yeah, um, I guess I should probably maybe go over a little bit of that. Like when the Colts got it really enamored with him, Morocco Brown, who was third in line with the Colts. Think Chris Ballard. Think Ed Dodds. Then think Morocco Brown. Texted Ballard back in August. Said you won't believe what this kid is doing on the practice field here in Gainesville. I thought he wanted to say because he used the word show, and there was like a moment of pause. I thought he wanted to say a different word. <laughs> he probably was without that. the bull this time. Uh, so that was the obvious first first impression. You know, Shane Steichen came to Ballard about two weeks into him being on the job and saying, "Wow, just watch some of this Florida kid." And uh, yeah, I can see why there's hype. Obviously, they went and worked him out in Gainesville when they did their tour of the U.S. Got a lot of work with him. I think they did a lot of Gainesville homework with Richardson and then brought him in for a uh, top 30 visit. And that was important to kind of check the between the ears box. And he certainly checked that. Um, So that's a little bit of the background on that. And then just lastly, him as a human. Um, you know, this is a Gainesville kid. Moved to Gainesville when he was 10. His father, um, not super into his life, Richardson has mentioned. Um, very close with his mom. Very close with his little brother. His agent's from Gainesville. His manager's from Gainesville. This is a guy that went to Florida and wore Tim Tebow's jersey. So he is a homebody in terms of what Florida has meant to him. So, um, I don't think you've gotten a whole lot of five-star, number one overall recruit. Let's you know, go to every Elite 11 around campus or around the U.S. and, and, and all of those things. Um, should we get into when, 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 he, uh, when they play him or not? Do we have a Twitter question on that? Should we wait, wait for that? No, let's do that at the end. He did have a speeding ticket going north of 100. That's a big number. I was talking about that earlier today on the show. Can you how many? I got some dude text me like, "Yeah, my buddy went 155 and a 55." I'm like, "Did the car blow up?" <laughs> I don't think I've ever pushed my car even to 100. I, I, I'm a little nervous if the Civic can get to that level. Uh, Eddie, I would have loved to have seen C.J. Stroud on the board at four and seen what the Colts would have done. Me too. I think that's more of a debate than people think. Um, obviously, I. I the whole contentment with life not Richardson at four is wild to me. Like, what would the Colts have done had Tennessee traded up? 
and taking Richardson. We do have a question on that. Okay, okay, I, I can I can hold off maybe um, on that end. You said you want to do playing time at the end. Yeah. Okay. Should we get into Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. What do we got? Andy's Twitter question is first, and he said, I want to understand Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen's thought process regarding how they talk about accuracy being so important. Was it a smoke screen, a smoke screen, smoke screen, or are Anthony Richardson's physical traits just that good? Well, I, you certainly can't ignore the, the, the backside of that. You know, his physical traits are really good. You know, I think when they talk about him as a thrower, they don't feel like the motion is poor. They just feel like it's a little bit more footwork. So mm-hmm. it's not having to retool what he's doing from a shoulder arm standpoint. It's more of kind of the lower body, lower base. You think they have Tom House already on speed dial? Yeah, I I know his quarterback um, coach uh, people think pretty highly of. But yes, I mean, that could be a Tom House down the road sort of thing. You know, with the accuracy element, again, Ballard said several years ago, you know, you can improve it. You can't improve it drastically. Clearly, he's changed his tune on that. Or, again, maybe the physical traits just outweigh the the need for accuracy. And I mentioned this earlier, but, again, you don't need Breeze and Rivers 70%. If if he can get to 63, 65, and the physical and the other traits are still there, the deep ball and the running ability, this dude can play at a really high level. Really high level. Uh, obviously, that's a big jump, though, to go from where he was at in college. Um you know, big guys with touch, sure. Now, Steichen, as much as accuracy, you know, third and eight, can you rip it? He was the one at the combine saying, I think you can develop it. So that's where you have put something on the plate of your coaching staff. And you've said, all right, here you go. You feel like you can get more out of him there. Can you get more out of him? Um, so obviously, that'll be a huge part of this. Yeah. Kudos to Ballard, too, on letting Steichen have a say, I would assume, in this. I would agree. Because I think this screams um, Steichen. Because, as you mentioned, uh, and as Chris mentioned, that he came to him and was like, hey, this kid's uh, pretty good. Yeah, and I've been calling for that. And I've been, you know, I think fairly, I think I've had a fair critique on Chris Ballard in his tenure. This is a swing. This is a swing that I think Colts fans have got to be super intrigued and just all right here we go we're we're finally doing it and you've signed a coach for six years that's worked with some similar backgrounds see what see what how all of this can unfold and it can happen so kudos to chris ballard for finally doing and trying to walk down the path that should have been walked down before this draft. All right, KB, you can answer the question now. This is from Derek. What would the Colts have done if the Texans did not move to number three and someone else moved in for Anthony Richardson? Thank you, Texans. Gosh, thank you, Texans is right, um, if you're a Colts fan. Um, yeah, because clearly, well, they've taken Levis at four. <laughs> can you imagine? You see and see where he's at now, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have no idea, Derek. You know, I asked Chris, did you talk to Arizona? He said yes, they did. But like That could be as simple as a hey, how's it going? Yeah, but I'm thinking to myself I mean, obviously Houston had a whole lot they could offer. And they did offer. Mm-hmm. And then Arizona traded back up, right? Yeah, yeah that was weird. Paris Johnson. Um That was weird. So you know, clearly Arizona wanted Paris Johnson to some degree. So them moving back to four, I assume they just would have taken Johnson there. Um, that would have made sense with Indianapolis. So 
like they clearly liked Richardson. They clearly were not like we'll do anything to get him. Or they had a belief that Tennessee wasn't coming up or a team yeah, I mean, I guess wasn't coming up. What you're up. doing is you're calling everyone's bluff. Yeah. In that which is quite the risk to risk to take if that backfires. I mean, I had heard from someone not bout related like they were listening to trade back calls. Not surprised. Which is just yeah, fascinating to me. Because don't you think Richardson goes five or six? You think Seattle would have? I mean, just Seattle. Or, or who who was trading up to four? I mean, would that have been the team that obviously is trading up to to take him? So, um, again, I, I had felt like the Levis stuff was just, was just a bit overblown. Colts Levis stuff. Clearly NFL Levis stuff was overblown. Um, and I thought it, it, it was just a tad overblown. On that aspect to it, um, help me make some fall to thirty, whatever. Hell no. Um, help me make some dollars though. Well, and if you're ESPN NFL Network, you're darn happy to lead off with that storyline tonight here. You know, someone asked me a little bit earlier, like, and this is an honest question. This is on our morning show. Outside of running fast and jumping high, give me the Richardson trait that makes him a good quarterback. And it's a, it's a fair question. Um, again, the run trait, certainly. Like, from day one, you now have one of the most dynamic quarterback, running back duos in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The other two traits I would point to is the big arm, and then the last one would be that poise element. Now, you've got to fine-tune a whole lot, mm-hmm. and you've got to take some big jumps in other places. But if you're going to look at traits that make him – Right now, I think worthy of like taking this chance, it would be that. It would be the legs, it would be the arm, and it would be the poise. And poise is critical. I mean, I think you guys have heard me talk about that. That's probably why my infatuation with Bryce Young, who I do think was pretty elite in the Colts' minds, by the way. I do. Um, why that was such, a, uh, such an important element. I'm intrigued by... Oh, I just lost my train of thought. You want to toss the next question at me and maybe you'll yeah. regain it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Bailey's Twitter question is next. How would you feel if the Colts drafted Michael Mayer, great inline blocker, and a weapon for Anthony Richardson for years to come? Obviously, I love Michael Mayer. I thought he was one of the finest players I've ever seen play at Notre Dame, to be totally honest with you. Um, boy, I like him. I like how he's wired, all of it. Uh, wideout means more to me right now, Eddie. Whiteout means more to me. And there's an element tonight that I think you have to look at at 35, which doesn't it just just scream a Chris Bauer trade back? Um, yeah, considering the talent that's there right now. You've got add, Joey and again, Porter and Mayer and Levis. and He's the king of adding another second or adding another third. Or, you know, he doesn't have another. He doesn't have that second round pick, that additional pick in a round until round five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's got to be an element of, rely on the tight end cornerback patience or I should say depth in this draft like what's scarce I think wide out's more scarce than tight end and corner so I'd go wide out particularly in the type of wide out whether you think it's Jalen Hyatt whether you think it's Mingo whether you think it's Tyler Scott who I mocked to the Colts like that those are the types of guys I think that wide out room needs more so than the other ones you know, I know a lot of people have mentioned Joey Porter Jr loved him 
at Penn State. Love the pedigree, of course. Um, so, you know, maybe that is a route that you would go. But I still think when you talk about Richardson's arm and the speed element, I would be um, – I'd be looking into that that down that path. I'm a big fan of Trey Palmer out of Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, much bigger than some of the names that I mentioned. Yeah, he's a bigger he's a bigger body, but he is insanely fast. He was, I think, top three in the combine at 40s time, and probably the only bright spot for Nebraska football this year. Yeah, he uh, is a former high school sprinter, a uh, hundred meter dash. So, I mean, he's got that kind of track background that had some big playability. Yes. Yeah. Former LSU recruit. Then he transferred to Nebraska. Uh, final Twitter question. Do you think there is a good chance that Chris Ballard will snag DJ Turner or just best available with this next pick? And that's from Dustin. Yeah. Again, you know how you debate about corner. Certainly Turner's speed stands out to you big time. And and I, you know, I said this on the mock show on Monday. I went with Clark Phillips in three and Corey Trice in four, those two corners because Eddie, I think you need different body types there. I think you could use a long outside one, but then boom, I think you could use um, just kind of that 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 Kenny Moore type of guy as well. Um, All right, let's circle back to. Yeah. Richardson playing time. Where do you stand if the Colts are going to play him? Do they need to play him the entire game, or can they afford to throw him out there for a handful of snaps and some different run packages? I've always been a baptism by fire guy at that position. Always been that. Um, I will continue to be that. Um, I'm not saying that I need to see him out there week one in September, but I think he needs to have a package of plays, and you put him into games with that from day one, and I would like to see him start over half the season. Uh, that's me. Um, and you know what? It's early, very early, but I get a Shane Steichen vibe that he might be more willing than most coaches to throw a guy that only has 13 starts into that sort of situation. I just think there is no way to know, to gauge, to truly learn until you take off the red jersey. Especially for a guy that, like, with like him that's so physical. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame just transferred. To Alabama. To Bama. That dude has played barely any football in his last four or five years because of COVID, because of injuries, all of those things. He just needs to freaking play. And he's 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 a dual threat type of guy mm-hmm. that just he probably has more of a backyard element to him than a casual seven on seven element to him. You know, I thought one of the biggest issues with Jacob Eason was just limited experience. And I'm, I'm saying the same thing right now with, with Trey Lance. How do you truly know with Lance? Mm-hmm. What, one game at North Dakota State his final year, and now he's had the injuries, and you know now seemingly he's behind Brock, Brock Purdy. So I just think with these guys, you have got to play them. You know, Mahomes sat. Mahomes also played a good amount at Texas Tech. Jalen Hurts sat for a chunk of that rookie season. Well, he also played a whole lot in college. You can't say that about Richardson. So I am a fan of playing him. Um, you know, again, him and Gardner Minshew worked out together earlier this offseason, so there is some sort of relationship there. Did we overlook that in hindsight here? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to put, like, knowing that was the that- reason why the pick was made. Do I think at one point Shane Second probably said to Gardner, hey, what do you think of Anthony in that workout? Certainly. Well, no, well, trying to, you know, piece together the puzzle, because I think that picture came like three weeks ago. And Ballard said about a month ago they had the, they came to the conclusion that Richardson was the guy they wanted. Right. 
a part of the entire profile on him, but I won't put it more than 0.5% okay. of the profile. Um, again, I would like to see him out there for a good amount. And my expectations will not be 500 record. My expectations will not be 65% passer. My expectations will be get that dude into game settings because he just doesn't have a ton of that. You know, it, there's a couple injuries in high school and early in his Florida career as well that kind of kept him from even playing a ton. Then, you know, he wasn't always a quarterback. Um, you know, he he made the switch pretty early in his high school career. From what um, to what? Wide out to to quarterback. Um, you know, certainly has basketball background. Um, so well, we've the, seen the we've seen the highlights on Twitter. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. So those are some of my thoughts on it. And again, this has nothing to do with why I think he should play. But Eddie, if the Colts are bad next year, and and they're playing Richardson, at least they'll be entertaining. Bad. Hopefully, they were boring. Bad. Boring as hell. Bad last year. We would get in on these Monday podcasts, and we'd sit here and say, "Who's faster, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, or Peyton Manning?" That's <laughs> very true. We would argue how fast the fastball was for Matt Ryan. Did he get? Did he hit seventy eight on the gun today? Yeah. You're not going to be arguing that with Richardson. Um, it might look bad. It might look really ugly. But you know what? And maybe this is me as a father of a almost three-year-old and, and a nine-month-old or eight-month-old, whatever Max is. It's fun to watch growth. She's three already? Yeah, she'll be three next month. Um, yeah, and she'll be three in June. Oh, my. Um, what? Maybe this is me, you know, using that, whatever, through that lens. It, it's it's fun to watch growth. You're going to get some peas and some poops on the floor. Uh-huh. But you know what? It's fun to watch growth because – you know, or at least I think you should know, this is the path you have to go down. I know I've said that so many times, but you've got to. If you, I think as a fan, what you should want are windows where you feel like you have an annual chance to make a run. And ideally, that window stays open for 7 to 10 years. And when September rolls around... You sit there and you get together with your buddies, whether you're going to a game, whether you're watching at a bar, whether you're getting together with family, friends, couples, whoever, and you're like, hey, we got a chance this year. That's the goal. Create a seven to 10 year window. And hopefully it's longer than 10 years. Um, but that is the goal. And I think, in my opinion, the only way to go down that is to draft, develop, and build. And that's why the Colts, that's what the Colts have done here. Finally, finally, they have done it. And now you got to support. You got to develop and you got to hope when the commas start to come and the fame starts to come with Anthony Richardson, he stays as confident yet work ethicable, if that's even a word, that he is right now. Determined? Determined. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. My, my question came back to me finally. Oh, okay. Here uh, so I was saying is I was intrigued because right now, until he puts pen to paper, the Colts will have three quarterbacks on roster. Once Richardson signs that contract, it's four. What what's going on with Nick Foles? Eddie, um, I think there's a better chance you are on the Colts roster this fall than Nick Foles. Well, I figured that as much, but Yeah, I don't I, I really don't know. I you know, someone had brought up, well, if they draft Hooker, they might have the you know, he would start the year on pup and I yeah. I, I don't have an explanation for you. I 
it was on my list to potentially ask Chris Ballard, but like I know he's not. It's more just for like our curiosity mm-hmm. than anything. And so I just have other questions that I consider more important to ask him. Uh, oh, I can give you his response. Uh, we're, we're, we'll work through that. Yeah, that's that's good. Honestly, tonight, if I get the chance and the presser ends, um, I might throw throw it out there as he's walking off the uh, walking off the podium. I was texting last night afterwards because um, he went. You know, he got a little ranty there. Did you, did you catch that? Yeah, he, he, CJ Stroud defense. Yeah, yeah, he got a little ranty there, which which I I, I find I found it interesting. And I, he was very apologetic. He goes, "Sorry about the sidebar." Yeah, and he was apologetic to me. I'm like, dude, I I first off, I don't care. You know, you can you can rant all you want. It makes for you know good audio, and it's more entertaining when he rants too. Yeah, and he was very upset about the leakage of the CJ Stroud stuff, which again is kind of wild to me because I guess we'll never know the root of all of that. Like, who was the team, assuming it was a team that was doing a lot of that heavy lifting? Yeah. Obviously, Houston didn't care too much. Uh, Before we wrap up, Eddie, overall draft thoughts. I didn't pay a ton of attention. The Jameer Gibbs pick surprised me. Oh, my, yeah. Every time I looked up, I saw the Eagles taking a Georgia defensive lineman. Yep. I was about to say, Georgia crushed it with Jalen Carter and and, uh, Nolan Nolan Smith. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, Philly Um, crushed it with those two guys. AFC South went tackles for Tennessee and Jacksonville. Uh, Skaronsky, I guess, it, if he is a tackle. Skaronsky to Tennessee, is that right? Yes. And then the Oklahoma kid to Jacksonville, Harrison? Uh, yes. I wonder if that was Cam Robinson suspension that, at all. Maybe. Uh, and I know he's got a contract. And they traded back a couple times. Situa- did they? Yeah, Jacksonville traded back twice. Okay. And then obviously what Houston did. Uh, good for Houston, man. Boy, that was quite the move. And they gave up their own first for next year. I which thought, yeah. I think that's worth noting, considering that probably takes them out of the Marvin Harrison sweepstakes. They still have Cleveland's first for next year. I don't think we assume Cleveland will be a three-win team. You could probably still get a Mecca Abuka, depending on where they fall. Yeah, if you want to keep a keep a Stroud connection in there. Um, so yeah, we'll see how everything unfolds tonight. Anything loose ends? We have so much written coverage on 1075thefan.com. Yeah, so. a nice job by you. What you put out like what four? Thank you. Four pieces in the last eight hours. We got four up there. We'll continue to do some recaps of every pick. And then um, let's come back Monday morning. Yes, sir. Monday morning, we'll come back with a pod. Uh, Tyler Scott, Clark Phillips. I don't think that will happen at all, but those were the two picks I had in my mock. So I will stick there here in round three. I'll say one trade back. So I can't say which player, though. (laughs) Trade back is a smart money. That is the smart money for the Colts tonight. Like a nine-pick trade back to get an additional third. Yeah, or unless if Michael Mayer is there, you never know. They've got, uh, I forget the special teams. Yeah, Brian Mason. Yeah, from. Isaiah Foskey. Could, yeah. you know, he was the pump block guy. Could he be in the mix for Notre Dame <laughs> or for, uh, for the Colts? Defensive end. <laughs> is Edge, should we talk more Edge? Is that on the board? I don't know. Maybe they go quarterback. Oh my gosh, Levis again. <laughs> Imagine if they did that. No mayo in your coffee for that. Uh, he's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. This is our emergency pod. Probably the longest emergency pod that we've had. Peels are off the bananas. Peels are off the bananas. Written coverage all weekend long. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday.